All right. Uh, we're going to talk about first things again today, but I want to talk to you about the blessings that Jesus promised for those who put the kingdom first. You know, our God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Isn't that what it says? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder. So we're going to see three rewards today that God brings into the life of those who put him first. So let's just read Matthew 6, 33, which has been our text this whole time. And let's pay particular attention to the last part because Jesus tags the last part of the verse with the promise. Read it with me. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that means you. Don't you like it when you don't have to chase down blessings, but blessings chase you down? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I've read that verse, and I picture two little dogs, one named goodness, one named mercy, and they're just following me around all the days of my life, nipping at my heels. Amen? Lord, we just thank you today for first things. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the priorities of the kingdom. You made it very clear to us how to live the life out that you have called us to. And so, Lord, I pray that lives are changed today, that you will change us, rearrange us, renovate our minds, renew our minds, change the way we think, change the way we see life, change the way we see ourselves. Lord, I thank you for change in the house today. And now, Lord, we ask you, send the great teacher of the church, the Holy Spirit, to open our eyes and open our ears and give understanding to our hearts so that we will be edified, strengthened, exhorted, and comforted in the Holy Ghost. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. We breathe the prayer and say, Lord, I receive the engrafted word, which is able to save my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them first things first. You can be seated. God bless you today. We had a wonderful 9 o'clock service. It was almost this full, and God really blessed. Now, so far in this series on first things, let me give you a quick recap. We've dealt with first putting God first. I mean, that's it. That's what Jesus is giving us in Matthew 6, what we are to put first. So the way I look at it, anytime Jesus says something, God has given us a priority because Jesus was God. He gave us a priority. He said, if you want this Christian life to work, here's the way it works. You've got to put the kingdom first. Then second, I dealt with what the kingdom of God actually is because how can you seek what you don't know? He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Well, I, I explained what it is. Now, third, we dealt with three hindrances last week, three hindrances to pursuing the kingdom first. Uh, it's the parable of the sower, and Jesus uh, sort of gave us a tale of four seeds, and three of the seeds did not do well. Only one bore fruit. And so we shared that last week. Three hindrances, the three reasons why those three seeds didn't make it. Now today I'm going to talk to you about the blessings that come from putting the kingdom of God first. And I'm just going to dive right in. Let me give you three blessings. First, when we put the kingdom of God first, when we prioritize it, prioritize our time around it, when it's numero uno, first, top priority, 
number one in our life. Jesus promised we will have maximum success in life. Now, let me ask a question. How many of you in here want to fail? Do I have any hands going up for those that want to fail? Nobody wants to fail, do you? How many want to succeed? Really succeed? Of course. Now, Jesus said, if you want maximum success in the kingdom of God, you've got to put the kingdom of God first. A man named E.M. Gray, you don't need to know who he is, it doesn't matter, but E.M. Gray spent his life searching for the one trait all successful people share. He studied successful people, and he found that their one common characteristic was not hard work, good luck, or astute human relations, although those things matter a lot. But listen to what he found. The one factor that E.M. Gray found when he studied successful people that transcended all the rest was the habit of putting first things first. Successful people know how to put first things first. They prioritize their time. Listen, they make their time serve them instead of them serving their time. The Bible says, redeeming the time, buying up, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So we are not to be slaves of our time, but we are to cause time, the time God's given us, and every day we have as a gift from God, to serve us, to serve God's purpose in our life. So successful people, here's what he said. The successful person has the habit of doing the things failures don't like to do. They don't necessarily like doing them either, but their dislike for it is secondary to the strength of their purpose. In other words, whatever price I've got to pay to achieve my purpose, I'm willing to pay that price. I forget what coach it was. It might have been Tom Landry. I think it was Tom Landry. One day he told a reporter, I make my team do what they don't want to do so they can become what they really want to be. There's a lot of truth in that. See, if you want something bad enough, you will cause your time to be subservient to that purpose. But Jesus added something that Mr. Gray did not. Jesus added the one thing that every believer in Christ is to put first, and that is the kingdom of God, not career, not family, not money, not relationships, but every believer in Christ is to put one thing first, and that is the kingdom of God. That's first. That has got to be first. I wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm in hot pursuit of the kingdom of God. My number one goal is the kingdom of God. I want to fulfill the will of God's purpose in my life. I'm after the kingdom. I'm after Jesus who personifies the kingdom. If I'm after the kingdom of God, I'm after Jesus. He is the fullness of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, put me first. I'm going to be first. And if you put me first, I'm going to bless you with success. Jesus here, let me be clear about this one thing. He's not telling us not to work. He's not telling us to be idle and sit around living on welfare and just praying all day, reading the Bible all day, and letting somebody else work for you. Now, there's nothing wrong with welfare. If you can't work, I get it. I will help you if you can't work. 
But if you can, Jesus is not telling us just sit around home and read the Bible and seek the kingdom and and people are going to come knocking on your door with everything that you need. If you need a job, you don't wait for the manager to, to discover your phone number in a dream and call you. You must ask, then seek, then knock. Because the Bible says, if any man will not work, he shall not eat. But here's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, I want you to prioritize your time by putting the kingdom of God first. So when you get up in the morning, you don't head straight for the Wall Street Journal to read the latest stock report. That will not get you off to a good start, especially if your stocks go down. Or flip on Good Morning America to see what the world has to say. Believe me, the world doesn't have any good thing to say. Don't listen to Good Morning America. Say, Good Morning, Jesus. You don't wake up in the morning and call Miss Wagging Tongue on the phone to see what the latest juicy gossip is about Miss You-Know-Who. But putting the kingdom of God first, listen now, positions your day for favor, blessing, and Bible success. Now, let me tell you what the Bible says success is, because have no misunderstanding about this. What the world calls success and what God calls success are two completely diametrically opposed things. Worldly success is not godly success. I want to know what kingdom success is. I want to be a success in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of man. So let me tell you what the Bible describes as genuine success. Here you go. Success in the kingdom of God is not measured by how much stuff you own, but by whether or not you fulfilled God's will. Paul the Apostle described at the end of his life exactly what a successful kingdom life looks like. Here's what Paul said. At the very end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, period. Any believer should want that on their tombstone. I have, listen, he said, I had a battle to fight and I fought it. I had a race to run and I ran it. I had a faith to keep and I kept it. And therefore, I have lived a successful kingdom life. Do you notice with me that in his description of his life, there's not one mention of accumulated stuff. He doesn't mention the acquiring of worldly things. It all had to do with the kingdom of God. I ran the race well. I fought the good fight. There's only one good fight, and that's the fight of faith. I fought the good fight. And I kept the faith. Therefore, my life has been a success. The bumper sticker that says, he who dies with the most toys wins may bring a grin to your face, but it's based on a false belief. Can I tell you that you can win the whole world and lose your soul? And you may say, now, Jeff, you know, here's my fear that if I put God first and not my career or my personal aspirations or paying off my mortgage or seeking that promotion at work or instead I focus first on seeking God, I'm going to end up the loser if I do that, Jeff. But that's not what Jesus promised. 
Jesus, the same Jesus who said, you must be born again. Now, let me ask you a question. When you took his word, when he said, you must be born again, and you took him at his word, and you asked him to come into your heart and save your soul and change your life, was his word true? How many of you in here have been born again? Was he true to his word? Is that a word you could base your life on? Uh, Amen. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man gets to the Father but through me. Have we found that that is true? Isn't that a true statement? He's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. So over and over again, we have based our lives on the teachings of Jesus. So if he's right about that, don't you think he's right when he says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, you will not be the loser, but you will be the winner, and I will bring into your life every good and worthwhile thing? Amen? Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I read this week, Bill Gates of Microsoft, it looks like he's going to become the first trillionaire in the history of the world. Can you imagine balancing that checkbook? Not the first billionaire or multi-billionaire. He's been a multi-billionaire for some time. The first trillionaire. But let me tell you the truth. He who is saved, who has the Holy Ghost living in his heart, who is heaven-bound and not hell-bound, who is forgiven, who has experienced amazing grace, how sweet the sound, is richer than Bill Gates and any other billionaire or multimillionaire. Because Jesus said you can gain the whole world. And if you're a trillionaire, you pretty much own the world. You can gain the whole world but lose your soul. So true success is finding the will of God and doing it. And seeking first the kingdom of God is the way to that success. You will not ever do it without seeking first the kingdom of God. Now there's a second blessing Jesus mentioned. And I love this one, freedom from worry. How many of you worry about worrying I came from a family of warriors. I really did. I, I say this all the time. If you've been here a while, you've heard me say it. But my family was a family of warriors, especially on my dad's side. I have relatives in New York that if you don't want to worry about it, you call them and they'll worry about it for you. They don't have to know you. They'll worry for you. And when I came into the kingdom of God, I had learned to respond to the adversities of life by worrying. And I had to renew my mind. I mean, renew my thinking. So, so I memorized Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six is all about being delivered from worry and particularly worry about provision issues. Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. And then he told us what all these things are. Food, shelter, clothing, the basic necessities of life. They are the provision issues. He said, if you seek first my kingdom, I will take care of the provision issues in your life. Listen to what Jesus said. So don't worry about these things saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? All these things. Now listen to the words of Jesus here. These things dominate. Everybody say dominate. Now I want you to say something else with me. Something dominates everybody's day. When you go through a day, something is dominating your thoughts. Something is dominating what's in your mind. You're either dominated by worry, 
dominated by fear, dominated by lust, or you're dominated by faith. You're dominated by God's peace. Jesus said, these things, worry about provision issues, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. I'm going to say it again. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And then comes verse 33. So seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That's a promise. I can walk on it. I can stand on it. I can sleep on it. I can live by it. I can die by it. If it's in the red ink, I can walk on that water. Amen? Now, now think with me what Jesus is saying. Everything the ungodly are chronically worried about and spend their lives chasing after will be added to you as a side benefit to putting God first. So it takes the worry out of provision issues in your life. When it comes down to is this, if you trust him as your savior, we must also trust him as our teacher and our guide. Jesus is the greatest philosopher that ever lived. He taught us about life and living, and he made promises to those who believe in him. He said, if you seek me, if I'm number one, if you're really after me, I'm a rewarder. I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek me, and I'm going to take care of every provision issue in your life. If he tells us, seek first the kingdom of God, we're safe in doing so. Listen to Matthew Henry, great Bible commentator. Here's what he said. Say not that this putting God first is the way to starve. No, it's the way to be well provided for, even in this world. Another commentator, Matthew Poole, said this. And for the things of this life, it shall fare with you as it did with Solomon who asked not for riches and honor, but he asked for wisdom and had the riches and honor added as well. Seek first the kingdom and you shall have your necessities. Now, mentioning Solomon, let me just take you back a little bit and show you what Solomon did. The Bible says in 1 Kings 3, verse 5, wisest man in all the world was the wisest man in all the world because he asked God for wisdom. Watch this. Verse 5, that night, the day that he was coronated that night the lord appeared to solomon in a dream and god said what do you want ask and i will give it to you wouldn't you love for jesus to walk up to you right now and say what do you want ask and i will give it to you what do you want i wonder what a lot of us would ask for you know lord there's that car that beautiful lexus suv or there's that house over there in that other neighborhood lord Oh, I would love that. I wonder what we would, how we would respond to that. Ask me whatever you want. You've got one request. Ask me whatever you want. What would we do with that? Solomon replied, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. Now look at God's response. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth, or the death of your enemies, I will do what you have asked. But it gets better. Keep reading. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so there will never be anyone like you ever again. And then verse 13, 
And I will also give you, read the next few words with me, what you did not ask for. Riches and honor. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. Do you see what happened there? Solomon put the kingdom first. He said, Lord, you've made me king over all your people. So I'm not asking for myself. I'm not asking for something to spend on my own pleasures. But, Lord, I'm asking you for wisdom so that I can guide the people of your kingdom and serve the kingdom of God. And God says, you've got it. And because you asked for that and sought first my kingdom, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. Riches, honor, blessing, fame. See, he got all that by default, by simply seeking first the kingdom of God. See, here's the delusion a lot of people fall under in our day, in our culture, is that stuff will make you happy. We believe things will make us happy. More stuff, more happiness. Nicer car, nicer house, nicer income. My happiness goes up according to what I acquire, according to my material riches. But you know what? The evidence is all around us that that's not true. It's fake. It's false. It's a false belief. Because we routinely read of wealthy Hollywood movie stars whose marriages fall apart all the time, who end up alcoholics or hooked on some drug and even lose their lives because of the drug, who are clearly not happy, though they seem to have absolutely everything that life can give you, We read of multimillionaires and billionaires and now Bill Gates, a trillionaire, who wind up lonely and lost, who commit suicide or live jumping from relationship to broken relationship in search of happiness and fulfillment, and they never seem to find it. Let me tell you why. Listen to me, church. Having money might make life easier, and it does, but there's one thing money can't and never has and never will do for you. Money cannot fill that place in your soul meant only for God. Money can't touch it. Money can't reach it. Money can't get there. You can have it all by this world's standards, but still have an empty ache deep down inside for the love of God. I've always believed. The people that turn to the bottle or turn to some drug or go from relationship to relationship are looking for God and they just don't know it. They're looking for that peace. They're looking for his love. They're looking for God's acceptance. They want to be embraced by unconditional love. They want what only God can provide. And they just don't know that that's what they're searching for at the end of that bottle. But it's not there. Judy Garland one of the most famous movie stars of all time, who starred in The Wizard of Oz and sang that great song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, once said, quote, it's lonely and cold at the top. Lonely and cold. If I'm a legend, then why am I so lonely? One person who knew the beautiful and immensely talented Whitney Houston said... Though she sang about love so beautifully, she never managed to find love herself. Beautiful, talented, had it all, but couldn't find love. I've I've often wished I could have found Judy, talked to Whitney, said, listen to me. You've got the money, you've got the fame, you've got it all. You're known all over the world, but you need to be known by the one who really matters. 
Because only he can fill your soul. Only he can give you joy. Only he can lift you out of the pit. Only he, by his amazing grace, can carry you from dark to light, from death to life, from hell to heaven, from blind to sight. Only he. There is a hole in the soul, I promise you, of every human being that cries out. It cries out for the love of God and money can't buy it for you. No relationship can fulfill it on earth. That hole in your soul must be filled by the one for whom it was made. God. The blood of Jesus Christ shed for our sins is the only currency God has ever accepted to redeem our souls and restore us back to him. The blood. See that Savior on that cross? Stretching out this way as if to hug all of mankind. Reaching up. That once you receive his embrace, he takes you up into the presence of God. That cross where Jesus' blood was shed, that's where all things really come together. I was talking to a lady in the first service. She came down in the altar. She's heart is broken. She's weeping. And she said, Pastor Jeff, me and my husband, we've been through bankruptcy. We have lost everything. It all began when we began to depart from God. We drifted away from God. And now we don't know what to do. He won't come to church anymore. He doesn't believe. I'm standing here desperate. What do I do? And I said, I'm going to tell you what you do. You do, I'll, you do what I've done every time I have found myself in a situation that seemed impossible. I made Jesus first. I checked my life out. Is the kingdom of God first? Is the kingdom of God number one for me right now? Or have I drifted away from the number oneness of Jesus Christ? And if I have, I get it right. I get it back. Because you notice, when you drift from God, it starts affecting every area of your life. When you come back to God, it starts affecting every area of your life. Put the kingdom first. Make Jesus your first pursuit. And all good things will added, be added to you by God himself. So say with me, maximum success. Freedom from worry. And then there's one last thing I want to say. Thirdly, you can change your life by changing your priorities. Now you might say to me, and some of you would, because people have said this to me. Jeff, I'm just too busy. I got bills to pay, kids to raise, people to see, places to go things to do. My life is just too busy. I can't be all religious like this. I can't do what you're saying. But let me ask you a question. Would Jesus ever command us to do something we can't do? No. If Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, then he knows it's within our power to grab hold of our time and prioritize our life around his kingdom, or he wouldn't have told us to do it. And let me just be honest with you today. If your life is not prioritized around the kingdom of God, your priorities are wrong. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your priorities are wrong. 
Because any believer says, when they get up in the morning, here's how I get up in the morning. I get up in the morning, I go grab coffee, I go straight to my chair, I get my Bible, and I begin with the kingdom of God. I can't wait. It is the highlight of my day. I'm not trying to sound spiritual. I'm just telling you, it's the highlight of my day. I soak it in. It is the manna that I feed on. God, to the children of Israel, he said to them, I've given you manna, which means what is it? I've given you manna, and here's the way it's going to work. You've got to gather that manna every morning, and if you try to eat yesterday's manna today, you're going to find that yesterday's manna rotted and it stinketh. You can't live on yesterday's blessing. You can't live on yesterday's word. You've got to have a fresh word every single day. We need manna every single day. God was teaching us by them to seek God every day. Seek him in the morning and get that fresh manna. You can't live off the fumes of yesterday's favor. You need favor today. You can't live off of yesterday's blessing. You need blessing today. We need to seek him daily and get that manna. So I get that manna and I feed on that manna. And then I feel ready to go out and face the world, the flesh, and the devil. If you want to walk in the flesh and not in the spirit, don't get with God. But if you want to have victory over the flesh, victory over the world, victory over sin, then you get up every day and you feed on that manna. Because Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. So can you say with me, change your priorities and change your life. See, I know, I know you can do it because everybody in this room knows how to prioritize their time around what they care about. For instance, most of you have already prioritized today completely around an event featuring two groups of grown men chasing a pigskin down a field to run it between two steel poles followed by millions of people going temporarily insane with screaming, jumping, and various and even dangerous bodily contortions. You're going to scream in your house. You're going to go nuts, and you're going to eat a bunch of guacamole, and you're going to fellowship with people, and there isn't anything. Listen, you have prioritized 5.30 Central Time, Sunday afternoon, today, and not one thing is going to move you, distract you, lure you, or otherwise mess with the sacred and holy Super Bowl. So you know how to put something first. Amen. I told my daughter this morning, she's over here. See, she calls me every Sunday morning to make sure I'm up. Can you believe that? Now, I'm being real transparent with you. She calls me every Sunday morning to make sure I'm up, and I appreciate that. And I woke up this morning, and, and I woke up 15 minutes later than usual. I realized she hadn't called. So I said, my daughter failed to prioritize her daddy. (laughs) So I went ahead and got in the word like I usually do. And I was just kind of getting ready. And and, uh, over an hour, wait, about hour and 20 minutes later than she usually would have called, my cell phone goes off. And I know who it is. There it is, Julia daughter. So I said, I'm going to get her because this could have been real trouble for me. So I did this. I did this. Hello. She goes, dad, 
And I said, yeah, what's wrong? She says, dad, it's eight o'clock. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and I said, oh no, I gotta go. And I hung up and I smiled. And I let her suffer for about 30 minutes. She called again, dad, are you okay? I said, Julia, I've been up. I was up in time. I was just getting you for not pri- I'm preaching on priorities today, Julia, and, and you didn't prioritize me. I forgive her, but I thought today she was going to come into church steaming mad at me, but you forgive me. I forgive you. She almost cried. All I'm saying is this. Forget about that statement. I'm really a nice dad, but here's the deal. You've got to grab hold of time and say, I'm going to put the kingdom first. It's not the only thing you do. It's the number one thing you do. So can we stand together today? And I want you to say with me, seeking the kingdom first brings maximum success, freedom from worry, a changed life. Can we just come to the Lord today? Father, we just thank you right now for giving us this kingdom priority where we know, Lord, there is joy, unspeakable and full of glory, where the maximum blessing comes from the kingdom of God. And Lord, we grow, we grow each and every day when we put first the kingdom. And Lord, we just thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your peace. We thank you. Now, Lord, we come to you at the beginning of this new year. We ask you, Lord, to help us put the kingdom first. Can we, can we just extend a hand up towards God? And believe me, I know how easy it is to drift and let other things crowd in on you. I, I know. I've done it. I've done it a hundred times. But he always draws me back. Put first the kingdom. So I want you to say this with me, just in a sincere prayer to God. Say, Lord Jesus, 2017 has begun. Help me to prioritize the kingdom. Put you first. Grace me to resolve to do it. Give me the discipline to do it. I sense the Holy Spirit here right now. Because this is the way you grow. This is the way you grow every day. Now, I want you to remain bowed in prayer for a moment. Listen carefully to me. There are some here today who don't know about your relationship with God. You're not sure about your relationship with God. Now, let me talk directly to you. First of all, I'm not here to condemn you or to judge you. I'm here to love you and tell you that God loves you. But there's a question mark in your mind about whether or not you've ever been born again. Whether you're the real deal on the inside. Because Christianity is an inside job. It's not outer actions. It's being changed within. It's a new heart. It's a new nature. 
It's a new set of motivations. It's a new set of desires. And perhaps there's a question mark in your mind. Have I ever really asked Christ into my heart where I can see my life changed? And I'm not the same person I used to be. If there's a question mark about that, that is the number one priority of life. Have you been born again? Because everything else is going to flow out of the answer to that question. I'm going to say a prayer in a minute, and you may not have prayed in your whole life, or you may not have prayed in a long time. But if you'll just pray this with me, I want to lead you into the presence of Jesus, and I'm going to I'm going to lead you in a prayer to ask him to come into your heart. It's that simple. And if you'll pray it with me sincerely, God will answer that prayer. And if you've drifted today from the Lord, he hadn't been number one. He hadn't been number two or three. He's kind of gotten out there. And you want to return where Jesus is the epicenter of your life, where the kingdom of God is first. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. And now's the time to get it right. This is way more important than any Super Bowl. I'm talking directly to you. Let's go to God in prayer. First, I'm going to pray for the salvation. Pray this with me. If you even suspect you need to, just pray it with me and let the peace of God flood your heart. Say with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me. And rose from the dead so that I could be saved. I repent of my sin, Lord. I turn from it. And I believe you're my Savior. Come into my heart, Jesus, right now. I receive you in Jesus' name. And now pray this with me. If you've gotten away from him, say, Lord, forgive me for letting other things crowd in where you haven't been, number one. You've been down the list in my life. Lord, forgive me. I return to you today being first in my life with my time, my relationships. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.